You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yo, yo, what up? You are listening to Locked On NBA Draft. This is your host, Rafael Barlow from NBADraftJunkies.com. And I'm in a good mood today. I mean, I'm pretty much in a good mood every day. But one of the reasons why I'm in such a good mood is because it is officially basketball season. I know basketball season in the state has not started yet. College basketball still have a few weeks NBA is probably about 30 days away from opening night, but basketball in Europe has already started. I mean, they've already had like their preseason games and friendly games, but in some of the leagues, basketball, I mean, they've already started their regular season, which makes me happy because I really, really enjoy European basketball. I have a crazy list of prospects that I'm looking to do evaluations and scouting reports on. I think this year is going to be the year I'm a little bit more prepared than before because I already have like 30 or 40 prospects that I've tried to watch like early games on. And then if all goes well, if all goes well, I'll spend a significant amount of time in Europe scouting and and evaluating um, some of the top prospects, not only in 2022 NBA draft, but 2023, 2024. I'm just trying to... I mean, I got this like ridiculous goal of being the best at this whole international scouting draft space. So in order for me to do that, it makes the most sense for me to to spend time there, which right now, if I had to choose a place that I want to live, I think Barcelona, simply because Spain has a ridiculous number of prospects. Most of them play for Real Madrid, but I've been to Barcelona and Barcelona is like to me one of the best cities in the world. So I mean, if I could spend a year based in Barcelona scouting basketball for a living and and prospects, I mean, talk about living an amazing dream life. And and that is the goal. So hopefully I can, um, you know, come up with the with the resources and, and everything needed to make it happen. But that is my goal. So I'm really, really looking forward to this basketball season. I mean, every year I, I try to to step it up a notch and that is my goal this year to actually just go back to Europe and and just kind of you know scout full time and just see if I can generate some revenue from that but in this episode it is brought to you first of all this episode is brought to you by Mondays on Locked On NBA you can start your week with the latest NBA news and game recaps on Locked On NBA Josh Lloyd who is the host of the number one number one the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, takes you around the NBA's major headlines with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On NBA podcast today, wherever you get your podcast. And, you know, this is kind of like the slow season in NBA. So Josh does a very good job of making even the dead season, the slow season in NBA basketball, he makes it entertaining, talks about, you know, fantasy basketball and the projections. All right, so in this particular episode, I wanted to discuss why the number two pick 
is not as productive as the number one pick, which is, you know, expected. But it is nowhere near as productive as far as producing NBA All-Stars and, you know, franchise changers as the number three pick. All right, and the reason I came up with this subject is because I was looking at the 2022 NBA mock drafts and just kind of evaluating some of the players. And I think in this year's draft, we do not have a clear, clear cut number one. But right now, you'd have to say Chet Holmgren is the early favorite. And Dukes Paolo Banchero is, you know, I'd say if you had to poll, you know, 50 people, these two guys would go number one and number two. And I'd say the majority would probably lean towards Chet at number one. But it it seems like it's a two-man race at this point. But, I mean, there's Jalen Hardy from the G League Ignite. You got Jalen Duran, some even saying Yannick Sosa, and maybe even A.J. Griffin. However, it still seems like, for the most part, it's between Chet Holmgren and Paolo Banchero, right? So, now, once I start doing the research, it's like, if you're a player and you're looking at past drafts, you would much rather go number one or number three as opposed to number two. And let's, I'll just give you some of the recent picks at number two. We'll, we'll start off with 2011. 2011, the number two pick was Derek Williams, who is currently out of the NBA. He is playing for Maccabi Tel Aviv. The number two pick in 2012 was Michael Kidd Gilchrist, who spent the majority of his career in Charlotte. And he had a little cup of tea in Dallas. But at 27, a young 27 years old, he is currently out of the NBA. 2013, Victor Oladipo, who is by far on paper the most successful number two pick in the last 10 years. He is currently in Miami. I mean, the last few years have been rough. But even Oladipo has bounced around. I mean, he started off in Orlando, went to Oklahoma City, then went to the Pacers where he was successful Shortly played in Houston, and now he's in Miami. And speaking of Oladipo, all right, this is a a little bit off the subject. So Dennis Schroeder has been getting a lot, a lot of flack for turning down the $84 million contract with the Lakers. He bet on himself, and he bet wrong. I mean, he gambled, and it didn't pay off. I think he's like like $5.9 million that he's going to make this year. And, I mean, I've seen... Just the number of jokes, and I mean, he's been getting, <laughs> he's been getting blasted on social media. Victor Oladipo has quietly slid under the radar and has not felt the wrath of social media, and he turned down more money and is making less money with a history of injury. So, based off of the reports. I read the Pacers offered Oladipo $112 million. He turned it down. Then Houston offered $45 million. I want to say it was like two years, $45 million, which I've read that they knew that he wasn't going to take it, but they just kind of you know put it out there. He turned that down. Then he gets injured again. He's been having injuries. I want to say it's like it's just quad. Gets injured again. And signs with Miami, well, he gets traded to Miami, re-signs with Miami for $2.4 million. So, 
you know, just based off of the numbers that I brought out, Dennis Schroeder lost about $78, 79000000 million guaranteed, while Oladipo has lost about 109 to $110 million guaranteed. So anyway, I just wanted to go off the subject a little bit there and wonder why Oladipo has slid under the radar of the wrath of social media for gambling on himself. All right, let's get back on subject. And 2014, the number two pick was Jabari Parker, who was one of the best high school players in recent memory. I mean, he had a legendary prep career in Chicago, has not lived up to the hype in the NBA. 2015, D'Angelo Russell was the number two pick. He was an all-star with Brooklyn. 2016, Brandon Ingram was the number two pick, which I was on record of saying I would have taken him number one, but he was a number two pick, and he's made one all-star. And then the past few drafts, it's kind of too early to, to uh, really you know, give a, an assessment if, not, if they're going to be an all-star or not. But you got Lonzo Ball, who is on his third team now. He's in Chicago. You have Marvin Bagley, who... I mean, he, he's been in a, a rough situation there. He has definitely not lived up to, to the hype. 2019, you got John Morant, who looks like he's well on his way to becoming an NBA All-Star. And then last year in 2020, you had James Wiseman, who I think has been unfairly criticized. So those are the number two picks in the last, let's say, 10 years. Combined, it is... Four All-Stars with two of those All-Star appearances coming from Victor Oladipo. So you got Ingram and you got Russell. And then I think Oladipo is the only player from this class that has been All-NBA. And he's also been All-NBA first-team defense. He's won most improved player, which is something that Brandon Ingram won. So Oladipo, by far, is the most decorated player that was the number two pick in the last 10 drafts. All right, when we return, I'll compare being selected number two to being selected number one and even number three. Stay tuned from this message from Sweatblock. All right, I would like to talk to you about Sweatblock. Now, I'll tell you my reasons why I like Sweatblock, but it is doctor-created, it is doctor-recommended, it works for up to seven days per use, guarantees you a dry shirt if sweat block doesn't keep you dry you can get your money back it's featured and tested on the rachel ray show by firefighters it's the best seller on amazon for the past 10 years has over thirteen thousand reviews and it is also manufactured in the usa sweat block is i mean it basically keeps you dry i was in vegas and you know how hot vegas is vegas is ridiculously hot in july and with sweat block, it's something that you have to have in your toiletry bag, whether it's you're going on a hot date or you're going into a hot city like Vegas. Right? I live in Dallas where it's super hot in the summertime. Here's a few things that I want you to know about sweat block. It is stronger and it's more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply just apply it at night before bedtime. You go to bed and the next morning you wake up, you wash and you go about your day without having to worry about being sweaty guaranteed it keeps you dry i know it sounds too good to be true but you literally only have to use sweat blocks once or twice a week and it would keep you dry the whole time no more pitting out no more picking my shirts based off which one will hide the sweat better 
I know like I have a tendency to wear black in the summertime because I don't want to wear gray because, you know, you get a bunch of pit stains when you wear gray or, or you, you look, you know, you, your armpits look wet. So yeah, I can wear gray shirts in the summertime. So if there's someone that you love that is dealing with this, check out Sweatblock. You can get 20% off at sweatblock.com. Use the promo code locked on or you can find it on Amazon at or at CVS. Quick question. Does this sound familiar to you? You've got one device that lets you watch the game live. Another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're also trying to watch sports highlights on your phone. And you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. But I want to tell you about a simple way to get all of that entertainment that you love without the hassle. And a great way to finally get your TV together. It is called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of all the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Of course, you have to have a compatible device. Once again, you're listening to Locked On NBA Draft. This is your host, Rafael Barlow. I'm talking about the unlucky number two. Maybe unlucky is not the best word to use because if you're the number two pick, you're more than likely going to play five to seven years in the NBA at the minimum, you're going to make millions of dollars. But as far as just production, the number two pick has not been as productive as the number one pick, which is, you know, not not expected. But in a lot of years, there is a huge debate over who should be number one or number two. Let's just go to the production of the number one picks in the past, let's say, 10 years. So you got Kyrie Irving out of Duke who was the number one pick in 2011, and, I mean, he's a household name, he has his own sneaker, he's been a seven-time All-Star, NBA champ, one rookie of the year, definitely someone that is on the path for an Hall of Fame career, definitely one of the most skilled players in NBA history. Number two, well, I'm sorry, not number two, but in 2012, the number one pick was Anthony Davis. We know Anthony Davis' name. By name, we know his resume, eight-time NBA All-Star. He's been, like, I don't know, like, all defense. I mean, he's had a surefire Hall of Fame career. Did not have the team success that, you know, you would, you would have liked to see out of him at, at, with the number one pick in New Orleans, but he's went to Los Angeles. He's won an NBA championship, which definitely solidified him to me as a Hall of Fame player, despite the fact that he's not even 30 years old. All right, 2013, Anthony Bennett, arguably the biggest bust in NBA history. I mean, you know, whenever draft time comes around, you know, you you see, you hear about the 2013 NBA draft with Anthony Bennett. He has by far, out of the number one picks, been the least productive. All right, at number 14, you had... I'm sorry, 2014. Get Andrew Wiggins, who this was a, a big debate in the 2014 draft. Who's the number one pick? Is it going to be Andrew Wiggins or is it going to be Jabari Parker? That was pretty much the 
the debate all season long in college basketball. And then, I mean, Joel Embiid's name came up often. But Wiggins was number one. He was rookie of the year. I think he was first-team all-rookie. Hasn't been an all-star. He's been a NBA starter. He's been a high-level NBA starter. But it's not been close to, to being an all-star. And as, as good as he's been, he's been solid, but he hasn't lived up to all the hype that was coming out because I want to say 2013 in high school, some thought he was like this next super athletic wing that could be a franchise player, which, again, right now he's – I mean, you can make a case and say he's going to be the Warriors. I mean, he had a good year last year, but he's the Warriors – Maybe fourth most valuable player this year. All right, 2015, the number one pick was Carl Anthony Towns. Now, this was a big debate in 2015 over who is the best player. Some thought it was Cat. Some thought it was Jaleel Okafor. Some thought it was D'Angelo Russell. I remember a lot of times it was it was between uh, Okafor and Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns has been the most successful. He's been a two-time All-Star. He's been All-NBA. And you can make a case, and some say arguably the best seven-foot shooter in NBA history, and I think the numbers support that. 2016, Ben Simmons, you know, I've criticized Ben a lot. And despite the criticisms and, you know, shortcomings and the fact that he hasn't really improved, he's been a three-time All-Star. He's been All-NBA. He's led the NBA in steals. He's been an All-Defensive Team player. So he's pretty much lived up to his hype on paper it's just the criticism is that he has not really improved I guess you can say he's improved on the defensive end but overall he's just has not maximized his skill set despite on paper he looks pretty good all right 2017 Markel Fultz dealt with some injuries and I mean to me Markel Fultz is one of the best college basketball players I've seen even though his team was was terrible but just as far as his ability to put the ball in the basket I thought he was going to be incredible you know he had the weird injury that no one seems to really know about and you know he hasn't really lived up to to the hype especially considering that you know he was selected ahead of Jason Tatum all right 2018 it was DeAndre Ayton as the number one pick. Ayton has been good. I mean, he was the starting center on a team that went to the NBA Finals. Even though he has not been an all-star yet, I strongly believe that that's, you know, in his future. I mean, I think that he's going to be one of the best bigs in the league. And also, I mean, and this is just my opinion, I thought that the Suns didn't really utilize him enough. I thought, you know, he got touches early in games and then – you know, whether it's him disappearing or him just not getting touches, but I felt like he should have, you know, got the ball a little bit more. I thought, like, especially in the finals when Milwaukee was switching and they had smaller guards on him that they didn't look to him enough. I thought Milwaukee, I mean, I'm sorry, I thought Phoenix settled for a lot of contested mid-range shots and didn't really look to Aiden. But that's just a whole different story. But I think overall DeAndre Aiden is going to be an all-star and a top five center in the league for the next 10 years. 2019, Zion Williamson, who has been blockbuster. I mean, he's like the, you know, one of the NBA's darlings, even though it seems like this year, 
the NBA say, you know what, the last couple of years we messed up by putting all these New Orleans Pelicans games on national television and either Zion didn't play or they were getting blown out. It seems like that whole Zion Williamson NBA uh, national television game hype has kind of died down after number three, but you cannot deny Zion's production. And again, he's been an all-star. The only knock on him is he just really hasn't, he, he's missed a lot of time. He hasn't been super healthy, and the Pelicans have been bad. But he's been an all-star. And then in 2020, you had Anthony Edwards, who had a strong second half to the season. I mean, he is a crazy, crazy, crazy talent. And, I mean, I think Anthony Edwards is going to be a multi-time all-star. I mean, I'd say at the minimum, this guy is going to make, if he can stay healthy, make five to seven all-star games he definitely has the talent to be one of the best wings in the nba in the near future so just based off of the numbers in the last i guess 10 years there has been 20 all-star appearances nine all nba appearances and six all defensive team appearances for the number one pick I mean, 15 of those all-star appearances are by Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving. But, I mean, the the margin between number one and number two is huge. Again, we're comparing 20 all-star appearances for the number one picks to four by the number two. And in a lot of years, there was a debate whether, you know, who was going number one or whatever. So... That should, I mean, I, I, I expect a gap between number one and number two, but it has been significant. And I think, I mean, realistically, when I look at what I see right now, the gap is going to even widen because I think Edwards is going to be an all-star. I think Zion Williamson is going to continue to make all-star games, and I think DeAndre Ayton has a future as an all-star. As far as number two picks in the... You know, the past number two picks, I think that John Morant has the best chance of being a multi-time all-star. Still early on Wiseman. Bagley just honestly doesn't look the part. Lonzo Ball looks like he's always going to be a solid, high-level starter, but I don't see all-star potential in him simply because, I mean, the point guard position is, is definitely one of the hardest positions to make the all-star team. I think Brandon Ingram can be an all-star. D'Angelo Russell has a chance to make more all-star games. I mean, he's going to need some some guys to, to get old and, and fall off, but I think there's a chance there. I don't – I mean, I don't even know if Jabari Parker is going to be an NBA starter for the rest of his career at 26. Oladipo, if he can make a comeback and come back stronger, then he may have a chance to be an all-star again. But, again, the gap between number one and number two as far as, like, accolades and all-star appearances is only going to, to get bigger. All right. When we return, I'm going to talk about why being selected at number three, based off of history, is better than being selected at number two because the number three picks in the last few years have definitely outplayed the number two picks. All right. When we return, I'll talk about the number three picks. All right, if you enjoy fantasy basketball like I do, then you know that there were ways to win. I used to, I wouldn't call it cheat, but I used to find a way to beat the system because I always kept a flexible roster spot 
of a guy that I knew that I could cut and I could replace him every day with a new player so that way I could win because I had more games. Well, in 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based off of whose players had more scheduled games that week. It made no sense and required very little strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Gang Pick, and it is only available at Sleeper. In Gang Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total score, which ensures an even number of games played between opponents. The days of losing, or in my case winning, because players simply had more scheduled games to play in that week, are over. The days of mindless daily busy work, over. The days of giving up halfway through the season because of all that busy work, over. In game picks, you pick one player per week for each player based on player matchups, home versus away, opponent's defensive rating or ranking, pace of play, and more. All of that adds up to more strategy and less busy work. So whether you prefer redraft, keeper, or dynasty, game picks has you covered. Sleeper, crack the fantasy basketball code. And if you play fantasy football, and if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you're going to love Gang Picks. So download the Sleeper app and start a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed. Sleeper's one-of-a-kind Gang Pick is the most strategic fantasy basketball experience in the industry. Download the Sleeper app and start playing the Gang Picks leave now. Next, I want to talk to you about Theragun. Please do not let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me who's just trying to make it through the day tension-free. Theragun can help. And if you're asking, what is Theragun? It is a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's just as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The, the Generation 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension. Using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60, 60, 60 percent deeper than a vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, or it's just an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there is no substitute for the Theragun Generation 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site, check it out, and the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $190. Again, go to therabody.com. So again, try the Theragun out for 30 days, and it's only $199. Go to therabody.com slash locked on right now, and you can get your Generation 4 Theragun today. That is Therabody, T-H-E-R-A-B-O-D-Y. Dot com slash locked on therabody.com slash locked on try it out for 30 days again theragun is trusted by 250,000 professional sports teams teams like real madrid and elite athletes like paul george deandre hopkins maria sharapova and hundreds of thousands of customers and people like myself once again you are listening to rafael barlow from nba draft junkies on Locked on NBA Draft. And in the first two segments, I discussed the wide gap as far as accolades 
from the number one pick to the number two pick. Now I'm going to break down why the number three picks in the last 10 drafts or so has been more successful than number two. And it's it's also not even close. All right, let's go. 2011, the number one pick was Enos Cantor. Cantor has not been an all-star. He's really not a starter at this point, but he is a high-level six-man that comes off the bench. And production-wise, offensively, Cantor has always been productive. The problem is he can't defend. But, I mean, if he could defend, he you could make a case and say he could be close to, to an all-star because he is one of the best rebounders in the NBA, but not close to being an all-star. 2012, Bradley Bill was the number three pick. He has been a three-time all-star, one-time all-NBA, which is, it seems a little low. I mean, I know there's been years that he's been robbed, but he is, he should definitely have more than three all-star appearances, in my opinion, more than one first-team all-NBA. But he is trending upward. He is getting better and better each year. I love the fact that he's added a lot onto his game. I remember coming into the draft, at least in my opinion, I thought he was a a scorer, but a three-point shooter that could put the ball on the floor. Now he is, I mean, he is a, a big-time weapon. He can play pick and rolls. He is just a elite scorer. So Bradley Bill, three-time All-Star, should, should definitely have more All-Star appearances in my opinion. All right, number 2013. I keep saying number 13. All right, 2013, you had Otto Porter. Hasn't lived up to the hype. Solid NBA starter, but nowhere close to the production that you'd expect for or from a number three pick. 2014, you had Joel Embiid, who probably would have went number one if he didn't have the 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 foot injuries and if teams weren't willing to wait on him to get healthy. He came out of nowhere, at least in my opinion, he came out of nowhere in that that class. I remember, you know, coming into college basketball season, it was. Andrew Wiggins, Jabari Parker, Andrew Wiggins, Jabari Parker. And then I want to say it was like early in that season, Duke and Kansas played in one of the, I don't know, I forgot the names, State Farm Classic. And one of the big games that they they play early in in the year. And um, it was clear that Joel Embiid was someone that was an incredible talent, even though he seemed a little raw at that point. But you can make a case and say he would have been number one if he was healthy. But he's lived up to the hype. Four-time All-Star. I think he's three-time All-NBA, three-time All-Defense. One of the best bigs in the league was the MVP candidate. And just Embiid alone has more accolades on paper than all the number two picks combined in the last 10 years. All right, 2015, you had Jaleel Okafor who I actually liked Okafor better than Towns in college. I thought, I mean, Cat was a guy that obviously Kentucky was holding back. We didn't know that he was as good as a shooter as he is because he didn't really get a chance to display that. I, I know that he showed flashes of being a decent shooter in high school. I remember someone once compared him to um, Channing Frye. And, and for whatever reasons, he's shown you know that the Channing Fry comparisons as far as being a a big shooter were accurate but he's definitely shown more as a inside presence he's not the defender Carl Anthony Towns is not the defender that I thought he was out of Kentucky but that was like the one thing that a lot of people were saying is the difference between Okafor and 
uh, and Cat that year was Cat was the better defender, which you know has proven to be true. <laughs> but Okafor has been a journeyman. I mean, he's bounced around. He just signed with Atlanta. Just thinking off the top of my head, he's played for the Sixers. He's played for the Pelicans, the Pistons. Now he's just signed with the Hawks. And very interesting to me that Okafor and Jabari Parker are two guys that were highly regarded, coming out of Chicago, went to Duke, and they have just not lived up to the hype and have been journeymen. So if I'm a player from Chicago, I don't know if I'm going to Duke. I'm kidding. That's probably has nothing to do with it but just very i mean it's a coincidence that you know two guys i want to say they were i don't i don't know if they were teammates or not off the top of my head but two guys went to duke same from both from chicago have not lived up to the hype all right 2016 jalen brown went number three brown has been an all-star and he is you know, you can make a case, and, I, and I've seen some people make it, that if there was a redraft, Jalen Brown might go number one. If you could redo the 2016 draft, some have him going over Brandon Ingram and Ben Simmons. All right, 2017, Jason Tatum, and this was just a huge mistake by Philadelphia, which I understand because, like I said, I thought that Markel Fultz was the best prospect in college basketball this year, but a huge franchise-changing mistake by taking Markel Fultz over Jason Tatum. Tatum has been a two-time All-Star. He's even been All-NBA. All right, 2018, Luka Doncic. We, you know, unless you've been under a rock, you know what he's done. In his three seasons, he's been a two-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA, and is on pace to, I mean, just have one of the most decorated careers in NBA history. And just Doncic alone has more all-NBA appearances than the entire group of players selected number two in the last 10 years. All right, 2019, it was R.J. Barrett, who's, you know, still early in his career. I mean, it's early in a lot of these guys' careers, but R.J. Barrett could potentially be an all-star down the road. And then in 2020, you have LaMelo Ball, who... I believe is going to be a multi-time All-Star. It's actually going to be hard for his brother to be an All-Star because they're both in the same conference. So I mentioned that I didn't think Lonzo Ball had a chance to be an All-Star. I think he's going to be a solid, you know, starter, high-level starter. But it would be very tough for him to be an All-Star, especially with his younger brother who has all the makings of an NBA All-Star. I mean, from the creativity to the the fans loving his games to getting millions of votes i mean i think you can just pretty much pencil in for Lamelo ball to be an all-star maybe maybe he has a chance to make it this year so with all that being said just off the top of my head the number three picks in the last few years have 12 all-star appearances seven all nba appearances and three all defensive appearances which, again, if you've been listening, in number two picks, they have four all-star appearances combined and one all-defensive team and I think one all-NBA team. And Victor Oladipo is responsible for half of those. But it's just not the second pick. I mean, if you go down to fourth pick, the only 
player that has been selected for an all-star appearance that had, well, I was selected fourth in the draft in the last 10 years has been Chris Stapps Porzingis. Even if you go to number five, Trey Young has been holding it down for the fifth pick. And Damian Lillard has six all-star appearances as the sixth pick in the draft. But other than that, you have not been getting a lot of all-star production from your fourth, fifth, and sixth pick, and even the second pick, which shows how difficult it is to be an NBA all-star. So with all that being said, when I look at the 2022 NBA draft, if you are Chet Holmgren or Paolo Benchero or Jaden Hardy or Jalen Duran, you want to avoid the number two pick. You want to avoid it at all costs because being number two, based off the last 10 years, means that whoever selected right ahead of you or right behind you will likely have a better career. Thanks again for listening. This is Raphael from Locked On NBA Draft. Please check out my website, nbadraftjunkies.com. But before I go, please tune in to Locked On Bets. Betting on the league, team, sport does not have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcast. Once again, it's Raphael, NBA Draft Junkies. And I'm out.